Warning, this podcast may contain content and discussions of a graphic and mature nature. Some material may be inappropriate for children, and strong adult language may be present. Listener discretion is advised. to another episode of The Devil's Hour, a podcast for the strange and unusual. I'm your host, Darius, and today I have two co-hosts joining me today. I have my sister, Jubilee. Hello. And then I have my friend, Michael. You saved the best for last. Hello, everyone. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) Totally kidding. Thank you both for being here. Um, It's always a pleasure. More the merrier, right? Um, Yup. So today we will be talking about um, the case that inspired... The film, you know that film, uh, it's that old film no one ever really talks about. It's supposedly gaining some uh, popularity, though, in the last couple of years. I was being sarcastic. Oh. Because, <laughs> I mean, it was kind of, I don't know, I, I thought you were serious because it was, uh, it wasn't, I didn't hear people talk about it. I mean, it was, everyone was talking about it when it first came out because, oh my God, Megan Fox, but, you know, she was real hot at the time and uh, she's still hot now, but, you know, her popularity-wise, she was real hot at the time. Yeah, she's still hot. And, um... Gotcha. And, uh, yeah, but then since then, I haven't heard anyone really talk about it. So, that's why I thought you were serious. I was like, nobody talks about it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, if you haven't guessed by now, uh, it's the case that inspired the film Jennifer's Body, um, starring Megan Fox. And, I mean, you could say, like... I thought you were going to say Transformers 2. Oh, okay. <laughs> The case... <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Gone. That might be really uncalled for. <laughs> oh shit! Transformers. <laughs> that was literally the only one I could pull out of uh, out of a hat right now. I, I couldn't think of any other movie she well, was in. It's why I was gonna say like when you were like uh, she was really hot at the time or whatever. I mean, you could say career wise she was like. That's what I meant. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's what I, I thought you meant like you know just like. Oh no! Yeah, no, she's still real pretty. <laughs> yeah. So Agreed. Birdie. Agreed. So yeah, Jennifer's body was inspired by this case, um, which is actually the case of Elise Poller. Um, so we're going to talk about that today. Um, I guess before we get into that case, just kind of covering some um, current events and like, you know, we kind of just tried to cover that before we get into every topic. Um, I don't know if you've heard about that Vans is doing a... Well, I think you did. You liked it. I'm, I shared it on Facebook. But Vans is doing a collaboration with Warner Brothers uh, with some oh, horror yeah. movies. So they're releasing like a limited edition like horror collection with their sneakers. And I'm like super stoked about it. It looks pretty awesome. Yeah, the um, Freddy ones look dope. Yeah, those are my favorite ones. Nightmare on Elm Street. And like the thing about it, I'm not like a huge... I'm not a huge Freddy fan per se. Like, But yeah. the, the just the design is like killer. Stripes are very in. Stripes are, in. <laughs> Stripes are in this year. <laughs> They're coming back. Um, yeah, I think they have like. Have you have you looked at it? Have you seen them? I haven't seen them, them, but I'm interested in it. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Like they, I think they have like The Shining. Um, oh, I need to see that. One. The Shining. They have It. Friday the Thirteenth. <gasps> oh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, you can look them up and see what they look like. But um, they released like a promo video, so I was watching. It was like two minutes, and it like just like 
you know, it's like high definition 4K, like showing you the different shoes. They they even are doing like uh, long sleeve shirts, hoodies, t-shirts. So it's like a full on collection. Um, but yeah, I was impressed. I was like, wow, this is cool. And it's, it's actually dropping this Friday, uh, October 1st. You can purchase it. And I actually used to work for Vans. So I will say that if you are into that and you are into like, either you're into, you know, horror or you're into like Vans just in general, the different kinds of Vans, I would like buy these shoes like as soon as they drop because one, they sell out, usually Vans collaboration sells out super quick because they did one with the Simpsons. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I want to say like a couple months ago or maybe last year, I don't remember, but while I was there, like they did a collaboration with the Simpsons, they sold out like super fast. And like once they sell out, they don't bring them back. Like it's a limited edition thing, yeah. and they can resell for a lot on like on eBay or something. Um, yeah. so, so what he's saying is, is you know, blow a thousand dollars on as much <laughs> merchandise as you can, and then resell it on eBay for like ten <laughs> times the price. Exactly. Agreed. Yeah. No. Honestly, I, I thought about buying like multiple pairs just to have, just in case, because they probably will be worth something. Like they'll definitely be worth more one to use and one to put behind glass exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah. and then so so i just wanted to cover that <laughs> and then i also wanted to cover like there's a uh there's currently like an i'm sure you've heard about it it's on the news like everywhere hmm. um gabby petito like the case yes i did all do over you, tiktok okay because yeah. like i was gonna say do, do you know well, i know you said you know some somewhat about it right yeah i've like been seeing a lot of videos on tiktok but then also like me and my my little crew at the cookie shop where I work. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about it and like trying to solve the case ourselves, sort of. I feel like TikTok has been doing a lot more. Like um, they've been showing like a lot of videos, eyewitnesses seeing him bringing all the information together. So that's kind of what I've been getting all my information from. Have you seen it on the news or where are you getting? So I haven't really like. Like I haven't really researched a whole lot into it personally, just because I've just been. This month is really, these past, these next two months are gonna be super busy, and September's been busy. So I haven't really seen a whole lot into it. I mean, I know kind of like the general gist of it. Um, maybe you know more about it, Michael, but no, I really don't. Okay. Yeah. I, I only saw like one report, and I was like, hey, what if we talked about that? Like. Oh. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, basically, it's about. Um, her name's Gabby, right? Yeah. So she, her and her boyfriend went on a trip. They like, or they've been living like, like uh, living in a RV or like in a yeah, like a bus, right, or something like that. Yeah. Um. Because like the whole gist of her her content was traveling, right? Yeah. And yeah. on YouTube, um, but then like she went missing and her boyfriend returned without her, and so. There was That's like, not sus. Yeah. And there <laughs> were, there were like, things, like, they had had altercations before. Like, the police had to be called because he was kind of not getting violent, but he was getting, like, really hurtful, I guess, like, in other ways. And so, yeah, he just returned without her, and her parents were like, where's Gabby? And he didn't speak to them. He just went straight to his home. And then the police were called, but he... He's gone now. Like, they can't find him. He just him. disappeared in the thin air. Yeah. And everyone's saying, like, they think, like, he either went to the mountains. Because he used to spend, like, months in the mountains by himself. Like, doing that survival. Like, probably hunting or doing something up there. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. Like, they haven't been able to find him. And then they found her body near... Oh, they did find it? Yeah. In the National Park, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, there was, like, these girls who had... Were driving there or filming something and... 
when they were on their way back down the mountain, he was like, hey, can I hitch a ride with y'all? And then when they were like, okay, but we're going to go, we're going to go back towards, like, uh, the city this way, he started freaking out. So then he was like, no, just drop me off on the side. And so people are saying, like, they think that her body was buried somewhere near, or, like, where he ditched the body is where they were heading towards, and that's why he started to freak out. Mm. So it's really sad, though. Yeah, that's horrible. I mean, I heard that, like, I did hear, like, again, like, I haven't really looked into it, but I did hear that, obviously, he did come back from the trip with his girlfriend, but, like, without his girlfriend, obviously. Like, he went on a trip with his girlfriend. He came back alone, and obviously right off the bat, that's like, well, okay, where the hell is she? Yeah. Um, and then I also heard that he lawyered up, like, immediately and wasn't talking to anybody, wasn't cooperating with police. Yeah. I also heard his parents weren't cooperating either or, like, talking to police. Um, and, I mean, just right off the bat, that's super suspicious. Like, you come back from a trip without your girlfriend yeah. and you lawyer up. Like, that's really, you know, I don't know. That's super suspicious. And then, like, he takes off and now no one can find him. Um I did hear, like, Dog the Bounty Hunter's, like, on the case now, though. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that guy was still alive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he, I guess, I mean, I guess he was, like, retired or something, or, like, wasn't, I don't know what he was doing, Uh, but he just kind of, like, I don't know if he was, like, officially retired, but I know from, like, showbiz he kind of was. I know he came out of that recently just to, like, specifically hunt for Brian, the guy's name, I think it's, like, Brian, uh, Land, Land something? I don't know. I don't care enough about the dude to care about his last name. Brian Shitface. Yeah, there you go. Brian Shitface. He's uh, he's the guy, yeah. So he's going after him. So I don't know. I mean... Brian Laundry or Landry. Yeah, Brian Dirty Laundry, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Landry, there you go. Okay. Landry. Yeah, that, that bitch. Uh, he... Yeah, so he, they're after him right now. Um, so yeah, Dog the Bounty Hunter's on the case. So hopefully we'll see some, you know, movement with that. Um... Yeah, obviously, very sad what happened to Gabby. But um, yeah. moving on, we're about the topic that we're covering today. So, we're, like I said before, we're covering the case of Elise Pauler, which is like the real life case of Jennifer's body, essentially. Um, so, uh, yeah, let's get into it. I know you guys don't really know. I know Jubilee doesn't know anything about this case, essentially. Michael, you maybe know a little I bit. I did a little bit of research uh, a while back and. I don't have any notes, so I'm really just running on memory and coffee right now. (laughs) Nice. Let's do this. Best thing to do. Let's do it. All right. So Elise Pollard was 15 years old at the time of her murder. She was described by her parents as being a great daughter, uh, a bright kid. She was very social and free-spirited. Elise was very close with both of her parents and her siblings. Uh, She made good grades in school. She was a soccer player. Um, she lived in California at the time of her murder. And, but, like, despite her being, like, a, a well-behaved daughter and a good student, Elise began going through, I guess what you could call, like, a recent, like, teenage stage of rebellion and, like... Angst. Oh, and yeah, angst is a good way to put it. She started experimenting, essentially, with drugs and alcohol. Um, which just because you do that doesn't mean you're a bad kid or anything like that. I feel like it's almost kind of normal to be like curious, like you want to try different things, right? She was 15 at the time. So that's super young. Um, I believe she was a freshman in high school. Um, so Elise had, she started smoking weed recently. Um, and she tried, you know, starting to try alcohol and she started sneaking out almost regularly. Um, but she would always come back, you know, 
Um, and one day, while Elise was at school, her parents received a call from her teacher informing her, I'm sorry, informing them that Elise was visibly under the influence of some kind of drug or substance. Um, so, you know, you know, being the good parents, being good and caring parents as they were, uh, Elise's parents enrolled her in a substance abuse program and tried, like, talking with her to find out what was going on with her or if, like, if there was something wrong that was causing her to act out or causing her to start experimenting with alcohol and, and, and marijuana, essentially. It wasn't, like, hard drugs or anything like that. Mm. But, yeah, so they enrolled her in substance abuse because, you know, she was 15 at the time. Um, because, like... Oh, hold on, I'll cut that out. I was supposed to say that, but... Um, yeah, so, like, the parents tried to talk to her and, like, try to get her to open up and find out what was really going on with her. Uh, but Elise just told them that everything was fine and there wasn't anything, like, going on. She was just having fun, you know? Uh, which, like, I don't know. I genuinely believe that, like, you know, I mean, it's different. I guess it just depends on your upbringing. Like, if you're religious, you know, maybe you don't, you won't feel the... You won't feel the need to try those things or maybe you'll feel even more of the need to try those things. If someone tells you not to do it, you know, you're, like keen to do what they say not to do yeah um, but like some people like for, for me for instance like I was straight edge for like 23 years of my life never felt the need or want to like try to like underage drink or anything like that or to smoke weed or anything like that. that was just personal though like everybody's different though you know like yeah. some people I know a lot of people who were religious or like pastors kids and like they uh, they like do the opposite yeah they indulge they end up being yeah. like the worst right like they yeah. end up like Underage drinking a ton. Which is the stereotype, really. Right. right. Yeah. Stereotype, like Marilyn Manson, right? Like Preacher's Kids. Or preacher's was he kid? a Preacher's Kid? Yeah, I think yeah. His, his father was a minister. Yeah, and he's like, you know, it's crazy. But. I'm surprised <laughs> I don't know that. Honestly. He's like, eccentric. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's eccentric. He's a special boy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's he's been, yeah, I don't, I don't even want to uh, get yeah. involved. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I you, forgot about that for a second. Yeah. Wait, what? Uh, Marilyn Manson? Yeah, I don't know. He was, like, accused of, uh, like, sexual assaults and stuff from his ex-girlfriend who's, like... And you can't even really... I mean, I, I don't know. I was gonna say, you can't really claim that she's trying to do it for fame because she's a famous actress, actually. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, who knows? Yeah. No one knows anyone's motives these days. Because, like, Amber Heard did that with Johnny Depp and, you know... Like, she's, like, she's famous, but she, like, accused Johnny Depp of abusing her and all of this crazy stuff and it's, like... A whole ordeal. So I was gonna say, like, you know, you can't accuse her of trying to like money grab or grab for attention, but that's not necessarily true because even celebrities steal, you know, yeah. even yeah. celebrities commit crimes and stuff like that. So just forget what I said. <laughs> I was thinking, but um, yeah. So yeah. So I think yeah. Getting back to the point, I think like Elise was just um, again, it's personal opinion. Again, I didn't know her or wasn't there, but I think she was probably just. She was just growing up. She was young and probably just trying. She wanted to try new things. Yeah. Um, I say that because she had, like, two friends that she was really close with. Like, they were her best friends. And out of, like, out of those three, she was, like, the free-spirited, like, wild one. Like, yeah. fearless is, like, the good word to use, you know? Like, she wasn't afraid to try things and want yeah. to do things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's what I would say about that. But on the evening of July 22nd, 1995, Elise Pollard said goodnight to her parents as she went upstairs to her room, seemingly to go to bed. But what she really did was stuff her blankets with pillows to make it seem as though someone was asleep in her bed, or if she, as if she was asleep in her bed. Yeah. Um, she did this as she snuck out of the house to meet up with some friends. Elise was meeting up with three teenage boys by the name of, I'm um, probably going to butcher these names, Jacob Delashmoot, 
um, Joseph Fiorella and Royce Casey. These are the three teenage boys she's meeting up with. She had met these boys while attending her substance abuse program. Um, and she was meeting up with these boys because they had invited her to go smoke weed with them in the Napomo Mesa Eucalyptus Grove, which was approximately a quarter mile from Elisa's house. It's not very far. It's pretty close by her house. Uh, my understanding is this area that they were going to was like a kind of like a remote like a hidden area so it would be like a perfect place to go smoke weed or something like that yeah. and not have to worry about being seen or caught and then this was at night too so alright and this is kind of uh, so okay so they go they go to the eucalyptus grove to smoke weed together um, just a little bit more about these three kids um, the three boys were 14 15 and 16 years old so they were all like around Elise's age um the boys were, the boys were like high school dropouts. They were considered burnouts. They they all did a lot of drugs together, such as marijuana, speed, acid, and meth. Um, these three teenage boys played in a metal band together called Hatred. Uh, all three were heavily influenced by the thrash metal band Slayer. Uh, that was like their favorite band that they like idolized, completely idolized, um, as well as the occult. So they were all three like into the the occult and, and Satanism essentially um, especially the leader of the group who happened to be the youngest member uh, Joseph Fiorella he was 14 um, he was like the leader of them and not only did they listen to Slayer religiously but they also reportedly studied like satanic texts and rituals and like owned a satanic bible um, they they believed that if they pleased Satan by sacrificing a virgin to him that he would in return enhance their musical skills and abilities, and in turn, their band Hatred would become famous because of their offering to Satan. So, yeah, so these, that's kind of like where the story takes, a, you know, a turn, obviously. These boys, um, pretty much like right off the bat, are wanting to have, have negative intentions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so once, once the boys knew once the boys knew this is, like, what they wanted to do, that they actually wanted to, you know, offer a sacrifice and kill a virgin and offer that to Satan, um, they, they almost instantly knew they wanted to sacrifice, like, Elise Pollard. Like, they knew they wanted her because um, she had blonde hair, blue eyes. She was very pretty. Uh, and she they, they believed her to be a virgin. So, like, they didn't know for sure she was, but they just, like, thought she was, I guess. I don't know what the reasoning behind that was. Maybe because she's, like... I don't know. Maybe she came across as, like, super pure to them, which is a little bit interesting because she's, like, when I guess when you, like, watch movies and stuff, you traditionally think of virgins as someone who's, like, a goody two-shoes, doesn't, yeah, like, doesn't do, do drugs. Good. Yeah, doesn't smoke weed. You know, like, doesn't do stuff like that. So that's really, it's kind of interesting why they chose her. Yeah, definitely but, does, doesn't stuff her bed with pillows and then sneak out in the middle of the night. Yeah. You know, doesn't <laughs> do stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. At least that's how Hollywood portrays it. But yeah, we kind of we'll find out later why they chose her. Like it becomes apparent why they chose her, um, more specifically. But yeah, so that's they kind of had their once the the guys like fixated on the fact like okay we want to find a virgin and we want to sacrifice him to Satan her to Satan. Um, they like all agreed like okay Elise is going to be the one we sacrifice. Um, Elise was also, you know, like I said before, very beautiful and attractive. We later find out that the leader of the boys, 14-year-old Joseph Fiorella, was obsessed with her. Um, 
so like I guess the, the leader of the of the group he was he had like a a big like crush on her he was like infatuated with her essentially um, and that's kind of like I say is like the primary reason they chose her because yeah. he had already like had his mind made up that he wanted her you know yeah and the other pe- the other two like dinguses were just following along um, yeah not really thinking for themselves um, so yeah so Elise snuck out of the, her house that night and was never seen again um, that was in 1995. The next day, when her parents discovered Elise was not in her room, they immediately contacted the police. Uh, Elise had snuck out before, but like I said before, she always came back, and she had never been gone for super long. When her parents notified police, the police were concerned but were apprehensive about deeming it a missing persons case, um, given like Elise's recent like teenage angst and like behavior, yeah. um, and given that this has happened before. So they were kind of like apprehensive about deeming it missing persons. Um, they thought that Elise had just run away and that she would be back soon, but they couldn't be like further from the truth because, you know, days soon turned into weeks, which then turned into months and like no signs of Elise. No one heard from Elise. No one saw Elise like for months. So, um, and it, and it was pretty, it's pretty sad because like they, during this time, like the, the grandma of Elise and actually she was named after her grandma. Um, her grandma's name was also Elise. Like she, the grandma was like kind of speaking during the press conference and was like, you know, Elise, if you're out there, like just come home. Like we, you know, we can talk about this. You can stay with me. Like if it's something that, you know, because like I said, at the time they still thought that she was like, and perhaps she ran away and was just like, um, because around this time, around the time of her disappearance, her parents and her were going to relocate to a different city. Mm-hmm. Um, to kind of like get her to a different, to a better school district, like they wanted to get her to a better place. Yeah. So they thought, well, maybe she was like, acting out because she didn't want to leave. Exactly. Like maybe that's why she like ran away and like you know. Um, so the grandma was kind of like pleading with her like on national tel- television, like you know, just come home, you can stay with me. Yeah. We can get this sorted out, you know, just stuff like that, which is super sad because obviously we know she didn't run away. We know the reality of what happened. Yeah. Um. So, it wasn't until about eight months later in March of 1996 that one of the teenage boys, Royce Casey, walked into a police station and would confess to the crime. Um, It wasn't until this happened that we would find out what actually did happen to Elise Pollard. So Royce Casey, uh, who was the oldest at the time actually, he was 16, he confessed to everything when he walked into the police station. He not only gave detectives like the chilling details and motive of the murder, but also led police to her body. Uh, the reason Royce Casey suddenly confessed was because he found religion and converted to Christianity. Um, he no longer he no longer hung around with the other two boys and was becoming increasingly guilty and scared that they might do it again. Um, supposedly he supposedly they had mentioned how they were going to continue to sacrifice, like kill girls for Satan. Yeah. And he was also scared that. Roy's case was also scared that his friends were gonna kill him because one he would he had distanced himself from them, and two there's a Slayer lyric that goes and again these kids are like obsessed with Slayer. Yeah. Um, there's a Slayer lyric that goes if you're not if you're not for us like you're against us and you may not be here anymore something like that. Yeah. I read it. It was something similar to like that. Um, so pretty much he took that as like he was scared that like hey I'm no longer like with them anymore. They could probably... I could be next. So, like, 
tie up those loose ends, you know? Right, exactly. Like, I mean, he say it's Christianity, which, I mean, maybe he did, but I think it's more, it was more probably out of fear, like, oh, man, I could be next, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Um, so, so, yeah, that's what caused him to go to the police station and confess to the, to the murder. Um, so then this is when we start getting into, like, the, kind of, like, the details of the crime, like, of what happened. Uh, according to Casey, the killing started when the boys, um, they led her to the, the grove, the eucalyptus grove, under the impression that they were all going to smoke weed together, you know, whatever teenagers do. You know how it is in the hood, you know, you're just like, <laughs> trying to get high. <laughs> in the hood. <laughs> yeah, you know, comp, the streets of Compton. Um, so like, yeah, so they let her, they let her out to the grove. Um, and what they did was he said that they pushed her to the ground and they push her, they pushed her on her back. And then Jacob uh, De La Schmoot. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. But yeah, the De Jacob <laughs> De La Douche. Yeah, <laughs> Jacob De La Douche. He started, like, strangling her with the belt, with his belt that he took off of his waist. Uh, he started strangling her while Casey, which is the guy who's confessing, held her down. Um, while Joseph Fiorella, who's the leader, pulled out a hunting knife uh, from a sheath and stabbed her directly into the throat. Jesus Christ. Okay. Royce Casey. He was the oldest one, right? Yeah. And Joseph was the youngest one? Correct. Interesting how this, how the younger one of the three, the youngest of the three kind of was the ringleader of this whole operation. Exactly. That's what's so, like, interesting about it, too. Like, you should see, I mean, you should see, I'm going to post pictures of it when I make the post, but the way these kids look, like, the youngest one looks so young. Like, he just looks, I don't know. It's, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just, it's crazy. But uh, I don't, yeah. That's what's great. He was 16, and he was, like, like literally committing a crime because this 14-year-old kid was like, hey, I thought we should do this because Satan's going to give us awesome powers if we do this, you know? Like, if we kill this virgin. I don't know. I was just like, at, at what point do you... I just... I mean, I guess you could attribute it to the frontal lobe, their frontal lobe not developing because they were probably doing so much drugs that they couldn't make rational decisions. That's what I deduce it to that and them being just like idiots I mean also I mean it's even with honestly even without drugs and, and all that involved like at 14 I mean a kid is still very impressionable mm -hmm. and probably could have came up with that idea you know on his own honestly the fact that the youngest of the group is the leader and not the follower tells me that he was probably somewhat of a Charismatic or at least smart kid and was able to talk these kids these older kids into doing it It makes me think like if They hadn't caught them from this murder. Would he have gone on to become a serial killer? Yeah, 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 that's a great point. I think the answer is yes because You know kind of like what Royce Casey was saying they had talked about when he was still with them They had talked about doing it again yeah. Because when they killed... Um, and I'm thinking, like, on his own. Oh, solo, on his own. You know? Probably. Oh, growing up and racking up a body count. That's a good point. Maybe. Because, like, it's kind of interesting. Like, some people work... Some people are, like, only powerful with others, if that makes sense. Like, they're not powerful on their own. Does that make sense? Like, kind of yeah. like Charles Manson. Yeah, like, they need, they, need, uh, they need help to get it done. Right, right. Like, yeah. Charles Manson, like, I don't know if he would have... Um, been able to actually commit murder on his own. Like, if he didn't have followers, like, would he have actually killed anyone? Yeah. I, I'd, I'd venture to say no, but who knows, you know? Um, maybe. 
that doesn't change him from not being evil, but I just don't know if he would have would have had the ability to commit what he wanted to do. Or yeah, whatever, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's so that's that's the crazy thing. The crazy thing about it is that it took eight months for them to find it. You know, like her body. Um, it took a confession because had he not confessed, like, who knows if they would have ended up finding her body at all. Um, they, didn't, they didn't have any leads or anything like that. Like, they just thought she, I think, and I think probably the reason because they thought she was a runaway. It happened in the middle of the night. There wasn't any witnesses, you know. Um, maybe that, that's probably what made the case so difficult for officers to figure out what was going on. But, um, so yeah, just to kind of recap, so like, as according to Casey's testimony, you know, the kids, you know, they pushed her to the ground, they pushed Elise to the ground, they, she was on her back, one of the boys was strangling her with a belt, um, the other boy, Casey, was holding her down, uh, and then Joseph took out the knife, and he was the one who stabbed her first, we do know that for sure, and he stabbed her right in the throat, but like, how crazy is that, like, a hunting knife is a big knife, like, yeah. It's a really big, it's a really sharp knife. Those knives are meant to kill and to cut through flesh and bone. And so he stabbed her right in the throat, which sounds like absolutely horrible. Uh, then once he did that, the three boys began passing the knife to one another and taking turns, stabbing her in the throat and stabbing her in the neck repeatedly. A forensic pathologist who performed an autopsy on the girl's body concluded she was stabbed at least 12 times, all in the neck and throat. None, none of the individuals... I'm sorry. None of the individual wounds were fatal, he testified, meaning that she, she slowly bled, slowly bled to death. Yep. Jeez. Which is, that's like torture. Like. Which makes probably the next couple things you're going to mention even worse. Yes. I think you know what I'm getting at. Okay. Yeah, I remember. Uh, so, Casey told investigators that Elise Pollard cried out for her mother repeatedly while being attacked, which is just so, like, oh, that's heartbreaking. Like, she cried out for her mom repeatedly as well as crying out to God, pleading, please make it stop, please make it stop. She was on the ground praying to God and calling for her mom, Casey said. Um, Because she was still alive and wasn't dying quickly enough, uh, the boys began to stomp on her neck, all three of them repeatedly. Until, until they believed she died. But my question is, like, like I know they stopped under her neck, which doesn't seem like something, like, you could survive. But also, like, being stabbed in the neck and throat 12 times is... You wouldn't me. think, yeah. Makes me wonder exactly, and pure curiosity, just how where exactly did he stab her? Because, I mean, you've got, like, main arteries yeah. in your throat. Like, how exactly. did he miss those? Exactly. I, I mean, was to think she would have bled out, like, real fast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's why I was so shocked when I found out. Yeah. Um, but, like, and then, like, the neck is, like, not a big area at all. There's only so yeah. much you can stab. Yeah, so you if know? you're stabbing them 12 times, it's like at some point you got to hit those arteries. Exactly. Especially with, I, and I didn't even think about it until you mentioned it just now, that it is a really big knife, and this is a 15-year-old girl. I wouldn't be surprised if it, like, went in one way and, like, either almost or did pierce out the other way. Like, you know, it's probably about yay long, you know, like a good, like, six inches yeah five six inches long but i guess i could see where yeah. like she wouldn't bleed out because if you're stabbing from the top like i don't know if they're like all your vital like veins and stuff aren't they on the side like your jugular and this one so this is wondering because yeah. i think they're like just off to the side right yeah yeah just off center so, so maybe they were just like from the of her because they're obviously on top of her yeah that's a good point so So probably like just straight through the like the trachea Mm -hmm. yeah and 
they make holes in your throat all the time when they need to, doctors for breathing That's true. tubes. Yeah, like so maybe traking, yeah. she was breathing because of that, but it's just yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's horrible. I really don't know how she was able to survive that up to that point. But, and then, I mean, yeah, like I said, they were stomping on her neck repeatedly because they saw that she wasn't dead yet. But then the doctors were able to determine that she bled to death. That was the ultimate cause of, um, you know, of death. So, so, but essentially, so like after that, after they stomped on her and they believed her to be dead after that point. But my question is, they believed her to be dead after they stomped, like, the hell out of her. But, like, was she dead still, you know, at, at that point in time? That's what I don't know. But pretty much after that point, um, the boys begin to, like, rape her body, essentially. Um, so yeah. if she wasn't dead yet, she was at least in the process of dying, like, you know. Throughout maybe the whole throughout rape. The whole, yeah, throughout the whole maybe rape. Maybe she passed out from the pain. That yeah. also could have happened, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But I'm just thinking, like... Uh, I was just thinking right now, like, I'm, the, like, in excruciating detail, um, I'm thinking the boys probably didn't stomp that hard, because if you were to put enough blunt force damage onto someone's throat directly like that, I was to think you'd collapse the trachea, collapse the breathing, uh, passageways, which then, like, chokes the person to death. But the doctor said she didn't suffocate. She bled out. So I'm thinking maybe they didn't, like, stomp very hard. Like, they were just trying to, like, I don't know what they might have been doing. But what that makes me think of is either they were just that young and naive that they didn't know how to do what they were trying to do, or they were holding back. Because it sounds to me like the main one who really wanted to do this was Joseph, and then the other two were reluctant. Mm-hmm. But still going through with it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And not that this makes any particular point other than I'm just thinking of all the little details. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't no, know if I do that. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's good. I mean, that's yeah. the point. I mean, I think even as, like, I mean, we're not detectives or investigators, you know. I mean, amateur sleuths, probably, but, like. Amateur <laughs> AF. <A-M. laughs> but, like, that, that's kind of, like, the point of, that's what makes a detective great, right? Like, their attention to detail, their... They're tedious, meticulous. So you're saying I should apply for the SAP? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, shoot high. <laughs> yeah, I guess if you want to work crazy hours and not get paid well. Uh, and be hated. Uh, yeah. That's true. It's a dangerous world for cops. <laughs> it's not right time now. To be a cop. No, sure. <laughs> Maybe FBI? I don't think they're hated right now. Yeah, probably not. Probably get paid more. Probably get paid. Oh, yeah, a lot, a lot more. more. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, But yeah, so like, yeah, that's a a great point. Um, But okay, so essentially after they they did that, once they believed she was dead, they, the the boys, all three of the boys, uh, like raped her her body or her corpse. It's hard to say because I don't know if she was alive, but most of the reports say she was dead. So I'm just going to say corpse. But the, what's what's even more because this is up to this point it's already very disgusting and, and repulsive what they did but like I mean it gets worse because you're s- assuming yeah. she's a corpse at this point right but she may have been no but, but what makes it even worse is like the boys would routinely return to her corpse days and even weeks after her death and they would have sex and rape the body that is so disgusting. I don't even want to call it sex they would just rape the body or the corpse I'm sorry um so like they were like it was, it's necrophilia but like what do you necroph- yeah they thought they were getting if I recall correctly they thought that they were gaining extra points by continuously having sex with this girl's dead body 
with extra points with Satan. Yeah. Yeah. That is crazy. Because I thought they had to, I don't know. That is just crazy. It's disgusting. That's disgusting. And I just can't imagine how people can, because remember, they, that body was there for months, and they were doing it on a regular basis. The body had to be decaying. There had to be, maggots. you know, flu- maggots, fluids, you know, stuff just literally melting off the bone, you know, That's organs liquefying and coming out of orifices. Sorry. <laughs> no, <I'm> like, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Patrick, when the big fish eats the little fish and he's just like <laughs> staring off into space dead inside. Dead inside. <laughs> That's how I feel right now. Yeah. I'm so sorry. It's okay. I mean, obviously, this is what happened. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate and sick. Like, I mean, that's a great point, though. That's I was thinking the exact same thing. How could you even have sex with a, a corpse, like a dead body? Because, like, uh, there's just, like, how, how do you, first of all, how do you not catch, like, diseases? Oh, you do, um, apparently. Yeah, you know, yeah. like, I just don't, I just do not understand how you could do it. I just don't get it. really don't. But, I mean, these kids were... We're sick in a lot of ways. I had, like, read somewhere that they, before this incident, they would, like, like I said, they, they got, they would read a lot of, like, occult type of stuff and literature, and uh, I think it was mainly coming from Joseph, who was the leader. Yeah. I think the other two, not to say that they weren't into the occult, but they were mostly, like, following just what he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And kind of would, like, rely on his knowledge of it, if any. You know, if you could call it knowledge, really. Plus, I do want to, I do want to mention that before I go on, like, their version, I say Satanism, like, they were into the occult and Satanism, but their version of Satanism is, like, not the, it's not the, um... The popular... Right. It's not the traditional, like, official, like, satanic temple, like, type of Satanism. Not like that. It's, like, their perverse way, like, bastardized version, bastardized version, that's a a word, right? Uh, Of Satanism, essentially. Um, What they, what they... Which is why I found it funny when you mentioned that they had a satanic Bible, which was written by... Uh, Anton LaBay, who is a founder of, he is the founder of the modern Church of Satan, right? That we that you're saying is not yeah, he, what they are doing. Yeah, he yeah he's the founder. Yeah, so it's kind of funny that they have that, and yet they were still veering way off in the far left field. It's yeah. very interesting. I've never read the Satanic Bible, but I from what I've heard, they're thumb through it. Really? A couple pages. Uh, is it not true? a big reader. Is it true? <laughs> <laughs> That's what's so I'm not a big reader. <laughs> Maybe not. I was you, interested, but, but you know, like, I appreciate your honesty about yeah. it. <laughs> His voice is all like quaky. He's like, I'm not a big reader. <laughs> I'm not a big reader. <laughs> Maybe try the audiobook. I mean, yeah, it's probably the cop. Do you think they're <laughs> A bit queasy, mate. No, <laughs> like, I, I, is there an audiobook of the book? Like, <laughs> sure the Satanic Bible? Do you like that? What? I want to get that just so, like, to hear, you know, to, because I've never read it, so I can't definitively say this is what it says. This I'll tell you right now, if it wasn't, if it's, I was going to make a joke and say that if it's not narrated by Vincent Price, and I don't want it, but <laughs> chances are by the time True. audiobooks are even a thing, Vincent Price was dead. Yeah. You think so? I can't remember. What, when did he die? Because he was around in the 80s. I don't remember. I feel I like audiobooks the, Again, I turned my phones off, so like, you got to look it up. <laughs> Good point. Vincent uh, Price. I think, well, Vincent Price was definitely around in the 80s because he was, yeah. you know, his voice was in Thriller, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But also I feel like audiobooks have been around since... 
I don't know. I don't know. The first time I ever heard about audiobooks is in the 2000s, but then again, you know. He died in 1993. Yeah. <laughs> wow, he was 6'4". <laughs> he was tall. Yeah. I didn't know that. <clears throat> yeah, he was lanky too, you know. Made him look taller because he was so skinny. And he had a really cool smile. So according to what, according to the intranet, I'm just kidding, intranet, uh, audiobooks first emerged in 1932. What? With the establishment of a recording studio by the American Foundation of the Blind. Oh, which that cre- makes sense. Which created recordings of books on vinyl records. Each side had That sounds business. like the ultimate hipster thing to do. I have the Satanic Bible <laughs> written by LaVey, narrated by Vincent Price Damn. on vinyl. <laughs> it was repressed 180 gram vinyl, but I didn't bother with it. I got the original. The original oh first pressing. 150 gram. That's uh, typically how it is, right? 150? Yeah. Is that the I typical so. weight? Yeah, I think the average. I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> I only know about 180 grams because I, that's what I see advertised all the time on the overly priced vinyl. Oh, uh, yeah, the 180 grams because it's like. More durable, tends to be higher quality, yeah, yeah. but it is more expensive. It's heavier. Mm-hmm. Great question. That is the that is like very hipster. That'd be very hipster for someone to have. What I found funny though is that I have a coffee in my hand while I'm saying. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I just keep bringing up the coffee like it matters. I'm sorry. <laughs> the point we were making was that you, um, traditional Satanism is not what these boys were practicing. Yeah. They were practicing a perverted version of it. Yes. Perverted. Okay. So that leads me to my point about that they were reading. They weren't only reading like practicing Satanism and reading the Satanic Bible. They were practicing occultism. Is that correct? I don't know. Is that yeah, the right yeah, word? Yeah, okay, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, cool. I don't make up words here. Uh, okay, so People yeah. People do it all the time. <laughs> right, I know. Some they, of them make it into the dictionary. <laughs> oh, that's, that's true. true. Fucking crunk. <laughs> crunk. Yeah, real, so they would around. practice occultism, uh, and they would read books specifically by Aleister Crowley. Um, the reason I bring that up is because they practiced this thing, uh, I, or at least I read that they practiced this thing, where they would they'd get a frog, and they would essentially crucify the frog, Kind of like... Like Jesus? Yeah, to mock like what happened to Jesus yeah. in traditional Christianity. Um, and so they'd crucify the frog, and then they would... I believe they would... Was it eat the frog? I can't remember correctly. Oh. Eat the frog, or they drink the frog's blood. Either way, it's disgusting. Because, like, this frog is, like, not cooked or anything. It's not like frog legs you get at, like, Red Lobster or something. <laughs> you get frog legs at Red Lobster? I've never been to Red Lobster. I'm Apparently. just <laughs> talking out of my ass. <laughs> <laughs> what did you just say yeah, in New Orleans? Shit, I can smell that shit a mile away. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say you could smell that shit a mile away? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> talking out your ass. <laughs> All right. Oh, whatever, guys. I'm just kidding. Tag team right now. You could have just said, like, oh, like you get in New Orleans, the frog legs. Okay. On, what, uh, frog legs wherever you get. I like a French restaurant, because they do the frog legs, right? Yeah, yeah but New Orleans. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, they definitely have frog legs in New Orleans. That's true. Okay, so, like, yeah. You didn't have any while you were there? No, I didn't. I don't think I would. I don't think I'd want frog legs. It's gross. I'd like to try one. It sounds gross. It's like chicken. <laughs> it's like chicken. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> That's what they say about gators. That's what they say about a lot of things, really. Gators, snake, frog legs. So I'm guessing all reptiles and amphibians, they just yeah. taste like I chicken. I guess chicken is like the golden standard of meats. Oh my god. It really is. I would agree. I, would I mean, agree. look at how much we love chicken in the U.S. Yep. You get fried chicken literally everywhere. Agreed. And if you're trying to be healthy, you get a grilled chicken. <laughs> That's a good point. I love how we've rabbit trailed down another path of frog <laughs> oh, legs and true. chicken. Hey, you gotta... 
<laughs> Gotta keep it light. This is a rowdy case. That is anyway. true. Humor is, is statistically proven like as a great way to overcome like grief and stuff. Yeah. A lot of people use humor as a way to cope. Yeah, that's um, my coping mechanism. I don't think it's that serious. It's I'll do it in the middle <laughs> of bad situations. Really? Yeah. Dang. Okay. Yeah. I respect that. <laughs> I respect that. Girl. I respect you it. Do. <laughs> you do you, boo. You do you, baby. <laughs> okay, let's see. All right, so yeah. Um, anyways, yeah, so they performed this ritual on, like, a frog, uh, and they would either eat the frog, like I said, I can't remember, or drink the frog's blood, and they believed that doing this would give them powers, like, give them, like, powers from Satan to become a better musician. It's really annoying how they go through all these steps of fucking corpses and drinking frog's blood when they could have just sat in their bedroom and practiced some fucking scales. <laughs> That's Dude, what I was gonna say! Go over some chords! Like, go over learn chords. some Slayer songs! You love it so fucking much! <laughs> Tablatures, oh. bitch! Come on! And you're like the best person to talk to about this because like for those obviously you don't know Michael's like a really good guitarist. Oh, uh, I'm okay. And you've been playing for how long? I mean, I've been playing for 17 years. Yeah, 17 years. Damn, Jeez. son. Yeah, because I was 15 and 13. That's yeah, yeah, longer yeah, yeah, than I've been. Years. That's longer than I've been alive. Shut <laughs> up! <laughs> Stupid! You're so dumb. I'm 16. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> gotta throw them off my trail. Um, yeah, no, yeah, so Michael's a really good guitarist. He's been playing, obviously, like more than half. Is it more than half your life? Or at least half your life? I'd say half your life. More than half your life. It is a little more than half my life, yeah. Okay. Because technically half my life would be 16 years. Dang, there you go. More than half your life you've been playing. By one year. <laughs> <laughs> he's got long hair, just describing you. But he's like your typical metalhead, you know? So I think like you're perfect for this case because not only are you Jeez. fascinated by true crime, Thank but you're you. also a metalhead. So I figure like you would understand... Well, I mean, no one really understands how crazy these guys are, but... Well, I am an overthinker, so I can try. Yeah. I'm like very analytical. Try to get in the mind of it, yeah. of them. Um... Yeah, I and mean, then I, then too, I was like, of all bands to be obsessed with, like Slayer. But I mean, I guess this was. Slayer. I mean, Slayer's <laughs> a good band. I think out of the big four thrash bands, they're probably my favorite. Uh, yeah, they're probably my favorite. Yeah. out of the big four. Yeah, because you got you know Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer, and Anthrax. So yeah, I started uh, getting a little more into Megadeth lately, mainly because I wound up and and seeing them recently oh. with Lamb of God. That was a great show. Nice. That was a great fucking show. Dave Mustaine. <laughs> Stain. <laughs> You're so I actually worked backstage for Megadeth once. Did you really? Yeah. Oh, when they dang. were here at the River City Rock Fest. See what I mean, guys? Yeah. I get people who've worked with Megadeth <laughs> oh on God. this podcast. You heard and it then, first. And then I you pushed a prop a... six feet. <laughs> <laughs> and then I sat there baker. for the whole set. I make cookies. Uh, yeah. to death metal. <laughs> and Jubilee, Jubilee's a baker, so... Yeah. yeah, it's got the, the spice and the shit. I'm sure, I'm sure, she, I'm sure she's seen the some sweet. shit. <laughs> she's probably seen some I've crazy seen shit. I've seen some crazy shit, man. <laughs> um, okay. I'm trying see. to think of some crazy shit I've seen, and honestly, just killing a roach outside of the bakery, but that's about it. See, okay. <laughs> killing a roach. Right. Oh, God. Let you have Some pretty one. hard stuff there. <laughs> All right, all right. Mo- moving, moving on with the with the that case. That became a much deeper rabbit trail than I was expecting it to be. That was, but it's all right. Um, it's like, it's what we get paid for. So, 
Um, You're getting paid. <laughs> I was like, I'm not getting paid. We're not getting paid for this. We get paid by like, because we're doing what's right by getting her case out there. So like, we get paid with good intentions. Yeah. I mean, what are we really doing? They already solved the case. That's true. <laughs> but for the people, <laughs> that's depressing. As <laughs> well, did you see his heart just die? <laughs> he literally broke my heart. You could hear his he heart shatter. <laughs> Uh, he just, you're just like, <laughs> <laughs> wow, my. He's the pretty silence. much just said like, what I'm doing is pointless. It's <laughs> oh worthless. No, it's not <laughs> because people love hearing this shit. That's true. That's true. There's definitely a big. You're all a bunch of sick fucks. I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, just kidding. If you're listening, you're sick. <laughs> Get help. <laughs> that includes me. Hey, uh, speaking of, today was sponsored by BetterHelp. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. We don't. Unfortunately, we're not sponsored. We not yet. We gotta get to a certain amount of average weekly downloads before we get like promotions. Mm. It's weird. It's it's a hierarchy, it's weird man. To have to work for shit. Yeah, it's weird. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. Um, communism all the way. And I'm kidding. Okay, so so where were we, comrade? <laughs> comrade. All right. So getting back to the case, um, Royce Casey, which is the the boy who confessed, he said he would later say that Fiorella, Joseph Fiorella, the leader, and the Del Douche kid, uh, they plotted Elise's death. They they plotted her death more than a, more than a month. Uh, before they actually did it. Um, they talked about it often while playing death metal music in their band Hatred. Um, let's see. Like I said before, the band was styled after a group called Slayer, whose albums feature lyrics about the devil and sacrificing virgins. Fiorella, according to Casey, had several books on Satanism and the occult. Um, what of, one of my specific questions to Casey, said one investigator, was why. Casey answered, it was to receive power from the devil to help them play guitar better. By making this perfect sacrifice to the devil, they would gain more craziness or, or nuts, as he said. That's weird. Um, said an investigator, continuing to relate Casey's comments to him. That would make them play harder and faster. By making this perfect sacrifice to the devil, it might help them go, quote, pro. Um... <laughs> Michael just put his. Go pro. <laughs> that is exactly what I was thinking of. I want to go pro. <laughs> oh my god! A Nacho Libre reference for those of you who don't know or haven't seen that movie. That's hilarious. You haven't seen that movie. Yeah, that sounds just super childish, though, right? Like Very. they want to go pro. I mean, they're. I mean, the whole fact that they really believed they needed to sacrifice a virgin to, uh, to gain heavy metal superstardom. Just in and of itself is <laughs> where do I begin? Is <laughs> in and of itself is just ridiculous, and it it sounds it almost sounds made up, you know, because yeah. it's the it's the type of thing that you you think to yourself like no one's really gonna do that, mm-hmm. yeah. but they they did something yeah. out of a movie, one would say. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah segue. <laughs> He sounded like that video. Have you seen that video where he's like, oh, what a distinguished gentleman. (laughs) The cat with the little hat. (laughs) Uh, I've never seen that. That sounds funny, though. It does. But yeah, like Mike said earlier. I'm going to start calling Mike out a distinguished gentleman. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. No, like Mike was saying earlier, I think it was just that they're very young and very impressionable. And like when you're looking up to an artist as a young person, you want to be like that artist, you know? And if the, your favorite artist is into Satanism and talking about killing virgins, then you're probably going to be influenced in that way, you know? 
and then you kind of do your research as a young person or whatever research you think is Mm -hmm. and you spiral down that and so you're getting fed all this stuff of this is Satanism this is a new door this is something new this is what my my influences are into like and I feel like he just got consumed by it all and that's why he like he sort of talked his friends into this terrible crime you know what I mean yeah yeah, I definitely, I definitely see where you're coming from. Yeah, from their perspective, obviously there's no excuse for what happened. Yeah. But I definitely see that, like, you know, um, if you can, we, they're young. Like, let's say the leader was 14, mm-hmm. and that's all you listen to. I imagine they listen to Slayer, like, daily. Like, yeah. He's reading these occult books, um, these books on different rituals and sacrifices. He already is very stupid and not smart because of the depleted brain cells because of... Drugs. You know, drugs that have caused his frontal lobe to not fully develop because your frontal lobe actually doesn't develop 100% until you're 25 years old. So if you're doing a bunch of drugs and alcohol abuse and all this stuff, like that's yeah. that's actually affecting your brain in like crazy ways. So ruining your development. 100%. Yeah. So there's definitely not a whole lot of neurons, not a whole lot of things going up. Shit ain't firing right in there. Yep. <laughs> yep. Wires across. Yeah. It's a mess. <laughs> yep. Take him behind the shed. Put one behind the ear because that dog won't hunt. What the hell? You're so dumb. <laughs> what my, what my dad used to say. Yeah, dad used to say that. <laughs> that dog won't hunt. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, moving on. Um, I, either, even there's a quote that uh, Joseph Figuerello said. He said that sacrificing a virgin would be the ultimate sin against God. Um, and that's why he, they wanted to do it. Uh, or that's why he wanted to do it, essentially. Uh, Pollard's, at least Pollard's killing had been plotted once once before, actually, and actually had been attempted once before, Casey said. Um, Fiorella, the Del Douche guy, and another teenager had um, had earlier nearly ki- uh, carried out a plan to kill Elise, according to Casey. In a plot similar to that which led to the girl's death, Casey told investigators that the trio enticed Pollard from her rural um, home in Arroyo Grande. So that's the city she lives in, Arroyo, lived in, Arroyo Grande, California. Um, they enticed her from her home and walked her to a spot on the mesa where there was a steep ravine. Um, one of the boys pretended to slip down the ravine like as a ruse to get Pollard um, to the bottom. And so she followed. Uh, the investigator said he was told that Fiorella then tossed Williams, which I'm thinking is like the third boy, um, a knife the same one used in her actual killing and um he reportedly said like do it do it do it like he was just shouting do it to the kid that he tossed a knife to yeah um and he said that reportedly the boy just froze and didn't do anything yeah so that's why they didn't carry out that time but that time they were supposed to kill her yeah like at that moment um casey said that elise uh, elise must have thought it was a joke because she never reported it um, yeah. So I guess like she didn't. She thought they were joking around. She she didn't feel maybe she didn't feel threatened or anything. Was she high? Um, probably. So Possible. maybe she Possibly. didn't even realize. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's a whole. I mean, they probably got high every time they hung out. To be honest, but something that just popped into my mind right now was that it's possible that she may have even actually not minded and like kind of like part of her wanted it to happen and I'll tell you why because it's possible that for her to just suddenly act out like that 
yes, it can be attributed to just the fact that she's growing up and wants to try different things and is changing. But sometimes acting out like that is also sort of a cry for help. And if not a cry for help, then at least a sign that somebody is going through something mentally and emotionally. Mm -hmm. And if she was like, since we're talking so much about the development of young brains, I'm just thinking to myself, like, what if she had undiagnosed depression or something? And that's why she was doing all these things. Um, Not that depression automatically makes you a candidate for going going and uh, doing lots of drugs and sneaking out and being a bad kid or whatever but yeah. um, but uh, you know you just start doing things to try and feel something or try and experience something else and or become self-destructive because like you can't attention. do it yourself or or because you're like like we like I said a second ago crying out for help mm-hmm. you know so I'm just thinking like what if it's possible that there was a in that moment at least you know she didn't report it because part of her was like oh well maybe what if it did happen maybe it would have been better off that way you know I don't know I, that's, this is actually the first time I've thought about that because I, I, I looked at this case once before and I never thought about that before that maybe she didn't report it because part of her almost wanted it to happen <coughs> so that she wouldn't have to deal with whatever she's going through yeah. But of course, like a lot of people, <clears throat> once it actually did start happening, she changed her mind. That's why we hear, you know, when the boys reporting that she cried out for her mom and to God. Because, you know, maybe once it finally comes, you realize you don't want it anymore. I've heard about that, that a lot of people sometimes, like when they survive suicide, for example, when people survive suicide, they realized, I didn't want to really do it. I, as soon as I was going down that slope and thought I was going to die, I realized I don't want to die. Yeah. You know, so. As someone who has dealt with depression and with suicidal idealations, I remember being so young. I would think I was 15 in high school when I had, and this is just a little bit of personal, but I, I feel like I could kind of talk about it. But when I was, I thought about it when I was 15 and I had planned how I was going to die and what I was going to do to myself. And now that I think about it, now that I'm older, or even after that night that I had planned, I ended up not doing it, obviously. Yeah. But, like, that night after, I just realized, like, I think when you're going through all that, you just want everything to end, like, you want the hurt and the pain to end, that you don't really think about your family or you don't think about your loved ones until after or like during that time I didn't think about anyone but myself so in a sense it is sort of a selfish thing because you just not in like a oh that's a selfish thing but like I just thought I want to end this like I don't want this to happen anymore so like Michael said if she really was thinking about it and then when it actually was happening she came to realization I could probably believe that because you have this fantasy like that's gonna take all my pain away so maybe I should let it happen happen I mean she obviously knew hanging out with three boys like at night doing drugs I'm sure she thought something might happen you know and I'm sure she didn't think it was gonna be as severe but yeah so like at the time like at that first attempt she probably thought oh they were just gonna stab me to death or slit my throat and it would have been over. I'm sure she wasn't thinking they were going to have sex with her corpse. Yeah. You know. <clears throat> uh, 
But yeah, but you know, once but, it starts happening. Right. Yeah. So so your theory is that like she potentially knew that they were gonna do it and like she was kind of like cool with it in the moment? I'm just saying it's a possibility. I'm not saying it's a theory I'm holding on to. Like it's just yeah. not it's just a it's thought. an idea. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Well, what was happening in her personal life, do we know? Supposedly everything was fine, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, everything was fine. But, I mean, that's did, what we've been told. But then also, why did her grandmother plead with her over the, like, if something's happening, to come live with her? <clears> because maybe? because Elise had been running away. I'm not running away, I'm sorry. Uh, sneaking out. Mm-hmm. So, she had snuck out before, but like I said, she always came back. She had snuck yeah. out to, like, go and, like, smoke with her friends or to go and, like, you know, yeah. I don't know, I've never snuck out before. Yeah. But, I imagine that's what you do. You go hang out with your friends or your boyfriend or whatever, you know. Um, it wasn't because she, like, hated living there. It's just maybe she just... I don't know. It's hard to say, really, you know. We only know what we've been told or what yeah. the in- yeah. investigation has said. But, you know, there's things that are always underlying that yeah. we may never know, you know. Yeah. Um, well, so You don't know. Maybe, like, at home they weren't paying as much attention to her. And she felt maybe neglected in her own mind. Maybe her parents were working too much or something like that. Well, I mean, supposedly from what I recall the story, her relationship with her parents wasn't super strained. Like, if I recall, the night that she disappeared, uh, she was actually in the middle of watching TV or a movie or something with her family. Yeah. It was a family night, and then she gets a call, and then she hangs it up, and then a few minutes later, that's when she tells them, I'm just, I'm just going to go to bed. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so they had family time together, but I'm yeah. just thinking, like, maybe, like, when I was throwing out the theory of undiagnosed depression, maybe she just didn't think she could talk to her parents about it, and that's yeah. why she felt isolated. Because it didn't sound like anything was really bad, but, you know, I mean, clearly something was going on because, you know, she was acting out a lot, and they felt like the answer was to get her somewhere else, new, away from everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, d- definitely interesting ideas. Um, I probably would just... I personally think, like, she just... With that incident of, like, her, you know, not reporting what happened, uh, I think it's probably she didn't know what was going on, or she thought she, they were just joking around. Um that's yeah. where that's my personal disbelief on it, but I just think like she didn't it didn't click with her. Like I said, she probably was high or drinking and probably was kind of even like uh, what's the, what's a word? Kind of just like un, uh, it's like unaware, but like you're just like not really oblivious. Yeah, oblivious. Like you're not attentive, right? So you're just like yeah. whatever. So when that happened, she was just like, oh, they're just joking around or like whatever. Like it didn't really click with her, in my opinion. Yeah. So that's probably what happened. Um, you're I'm, right. I'm overthinking it. I think <laughs> but it's it's okay that's like the point of it you gotta like yeah. hash out all ideas like it's kind of like the the principle that like no one is no one's innocent right we gotta go through all of them like if yeah. you commit a murder or like if someone's murdered you gotta look at the boyfriend you gotta look at the husband like even the people you don't think you gotta at least go through it and entertain the possible idea yeah um so yeah but yeah so moving on with the case um Royce Casey told prosecutors the trio plotted to kill Pollard since she had, quote, blonde hair and blue eyes, and because she was a virgin, she would make a perfect sacrifice for the devil. According to investigators, Casey said he came forward partly because of newfound religious beliefs, but he testified that Casey also believed that uh, Della Schmoot and Fiorella planned to kill again. Uh, They told him that she wouldn't be the only one, there would be others. And that's a direct quote. Um, Casey feared he might be the next victim because he had tried to distance himself from the boys. And the exact lyric that I was referring to earlier from the band Slayer said, quote, if you're not with us, you may no longer exist. So I think that, yeah. And, you know, like they were like dedicated followers to Slayer and their lyrics 
So I think that lyric kind of like scared him because he was like, oh shoot, I'm not with them. They're probably going to come for me next. Yeah. You know? yeah. And they know so, that he'll, he knows they'll do it, you know. For sure. And like, I mean, I'm sure someone would want to believe that like, oh, he turned a new leaf and he's a Christian and that's why he's confessing. Uh, personally, I believe he was just a scared little bitch and <laughs> confessed because he was scared that it was going to happen to him. I mean, you know, yeah. you're protecting yourself. I get it. Uh, whatever. But yeah, so yeah, he came He came forward and confessed. Um, a few years after the murder, Fiorella and Delishmoot told Entertainment Weekly that Slayer's music had nothing to do with the murder and that the murder was not intended as a satanic sacrifice. But court records show that before his sentencing, Fiorella told a probation officer that he had been influenced by Slayer's music and in his, and in his confession to investigators... Casey said that the teens referred to themselves as Satan's children and had discussed killing Pollard in a devil worship ceremony. So there's, like, two different stories coming out, right? So, like, yeah. Casey is like, no, this was definitely a sat- part of a satanic ritual that we were doing. Mm-hmm. And we were definitely influenced by Slayer's music and lyrics. And then the leader, Fiorella, was, like, you know, coming out saying, oh, no, it was not... It had nothing to do with Satanism or Slayer, pretty much is what you're saying. So... There's definitely some... Well, he's probably trying not to get his favorite artist in trouble, or at least, like, not bring backlash to it. Possibly. Who knows? Who really knows? Um, the case garnered... So this is, a, this is an interesting part. Um, kind of an interesting spin to the to the story, essentially. But mm-hmm. um, Hold on. Let me just check right here. Make sure it's... Okay. Yeah. So this is an interesting kind of, like turn in the story like the case garnered national attention after elise's um after elise's death when uh, the Pollers, her parents filed a lawsuit against the band slayer in november of 1996 which claimed that the band's music inc- incited the murder of their daughter uh the lawsuit seeks monetary damages and a halt to the practice of marketing violent music towards juveniles mm-hmm. david and leanne i believe that's how you pronounce it it's either Leanne or Lizan, but Leanne um, Pollard claimed that the Slayer songs Postmortem and Dead Skin Mask from the albums Rain and Blood and Seasons in the Abyss, respectively, came the three killers' detailed instructions to, quote, stalk, rape, torture, murder, and commit acts of necrophilia, end Jeez. quote, on their daughter. The lawsuit was originally filed in 1996, but delayed until 2001 when the killer's trial was concluded. The initial case was originally thrown out. The judge stated, quote, there's not, uh, <clears throat> quote, there's not a legal position that could be taken that would make Slayer responsible for this girl's death. Where do you draw the line? You might as well start looking through the library at every book on the shelf, end quote. Yeah. It's true, though. I agree with that. Very true. Um, undeterred, the Paulers launched a second lawsuit claiming that Slayer, quote, knowingly distributed harmful materials to minors, end quote. This case, too, was dismissed with Judge E. Jeffrey Burke stating, quote, I do not consider Slayer's music... Okay, sorry. Uh, Stating, quote, I do not consider Slayer's music obscene, indecent, or harmful to minors. Jacob Delishmoot himself stated in a Washington Post interview, quote, the music is destructive, but that's not why Elise was murdered. Mm-hmm. She was murdered because Joe Fiorella was obsessed with her and obsessed with killing her. End quote. Yeah. And then uh, here's another quote by Judge Burke, who ended up, you know, it's the judge who 
pretty much dismissed the lawsuits that the Pollers filed against Slayer. Um, he said, he said, quote, Slayer lyrics are repulsive and profane, he wrote in his 14-page decision, but they do not direct or instruct listeners to commit the acts that resulted in the vicious torture murder of Elise Pollard. Burke also ruled that the music is not harmful to children, as the plaintiffs alleged. Therefore, he added, it is not illegal to sell or market the product, and it is protected by the First Amendment. The suit, filed in 1996, named Slayer and several record labels as defendants in seeking monetary damages and a halt to the practice of marketing violent music towards juveniles. The case attracted national and international attention because of a potential impact on the entertainment industry and possible limitations of the First Amendment rights. So that was kind of like a lot, but essentially the gist of it is after her murder, Elise's parents, rightfully so, were, you know, mourning and, and pissed off that this happened. Yeah. And so they sued Slayer because they felt that the Slayer's music and lyrics encouraged and incited these three teenage boys to go and stalk, rape, torture, and murder her daughter, essentially, their daughter. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, ultimately, the judge deemed that as not true, did not find Slayer at fault, obviously, and threw out the, both cases because they sued him twice. Yeah. So, like, what's your take on that? Do, do either of you have, like, any opinions on it, any yeah. stance on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with the judge. I think, obviously, they're very hurt, and they're, they're just... I mean, when you're hurt like that, like, you just went through something that's unimaginable if you haven't been through it and I think like obviously you have this music that's sort of glorifying in a sense that type of thing but it's like the judge said and it's like everyone said like it's freedom of speech and it's not like they actually told your children these children to go and do that to people like it's sort of in the sense where you should be like like, parents have to be in control of what their children are listening to. Like, you can't blame the artist. Just keep your children from listening to it. And when they do listen to it, like, you can't really say that they're going to become murderers like that, you know? It's like the number one thing that people need to remember is that, I mean, if they're if they're going to be parents, is that you're supposed to teach your kids the difference between fact and fiction, or, mm-hmm. or fiction and nonfiction. And, um, you know, if... Uh, Music is just as much art and a creative outlet as uh, literature or film, which all of the above uh, have genres that depict, you know, violent acts and gruesome, horrific things. Uh, it's a whole. There's a whole market for it. People like consuming it, but not every single one of them are mass murderers, you know. Or, exactly. So. That's a good point. Yeah, I wanted to, to get it from your... Well, I mean, really, all, all of our points, because I was going to say, from a musician's point of view, what is your stance on it? But, I mean, we're all musicians. So, mm-hmm. it's kind of like... You know, just kind of... It's, like, it's interesting because it's like... You know, you do have a level of influence as a star. Like, if you're a star, if you're at the level of yeah. Slayer or Metallica or Marilyn Manson, yeah. you do have a level of... It influence but like you shouldn't you still shouldn't be held responsible for something like this you know um because like, like you said i think you, you said it right that i feel like that kind of falls into like the nature versus nurture thing mm-hmm. because like if you're listening to something over and over you could i guess you could some people would say that's nurture like you're nurturing yeah. that like 
oh, it's okay to, like, sacrifice a virgin or it's okay to commit necrophilic acts yeah. on a corpse or whatever. Yeah. But at the same time, I think it's more like it, it's in a situation like this specifically, it's like it's like um, the nurture only, like, enhances the nature. So essentially, like, like you said perfectly, like, if someone... Like, plenty of people listen to Slayer, but, like, not all of them go and just, like, commit mass murder or, yeah. like, mm-hmm. like, rape corpses. And in the same respect, tons of people are fans of uh, Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street, but yep. they're not fucking slashing people. Exactly. Yeah. It reminds me of uh, a quote. It's funny, but, like, ironically, it's a quote from Scream, which is, like, one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Like, the original Scream. Yeah. It's one of my favorite slashers. And the, the the quote comes from Billy Loomis, who's like the the mastermind and like one of the killers. He says, um, he says like sc- scary movies don't make psychos psychos. Wait, what is it? What is this? Damn it! It's one of my favorite You're quotes. Fucking up, bro. I'm messing it up. <laughs> but I, I don't want to mess it up for this, so I'm pulling up the exact quote. I don't want to paraphrase here. Do it. Yeah. But yeah, no, he says it beautifully, and like when you're in the when you're actually listening. When you're watching the movie, you're just like, okay, whatever, this guy's just talking out of his ass, whatever. But, like, if you actually apply it to, like, real-life, like, situations, it's like, oh, no, you actually make sense because what he says is movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative, which is, like, people, like, kind of like the Slayer lyrics. Like, if you're already a psycho yeah. or you already have that nature, like, it's you already have this pre- predis- uh, like disposition to murder or it's already in your nature to be... A murder or whatever yeah and you listen to things like that that's only gonna make you more creative and it's only gonna make you like give you more fuel to like you know what I am gonna go and kill that person or I am gonna go and rape that person you know cuz like mm-hmm. there's people that listen to that exact same thing or watch those movies and they don't they're perfectly fine they're like super loving they have families never an issue because they don't have that it's not in their nature to be a killer and so like for me that's where it falls back to nature versus nurture and how like in this situation I feel like the nurture just like enhances the nature part of it. That's my opinion, at least. Yeah, I, I was going to say a uh, little disclaimer, though. Um, not all psychos are pre predisposed to being violent and uh, lethal, murderous. Because mm-hmm. um, as I've done a little more research on you know, sociopaths and psychopaths, apparently there are, are lots of people who are born... Uh, with psychopathy, and you would never know it. Um, not all, because not all of them do crazy things. They just have. They're just born with the inability to feel and/or process things the way average people do. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, so you know, even then, even then, a psycho could like watch these things and still not do anything. Really, it's okay. it's all in a person's. Uh, it's all in a person's nature, you know. Some people really are born broken like that with the n- nature to kill. Mm-hmm. Some people, like sociopaths, grow into it because life just kicks the shit out of them right. and they start, mm-hmm. they no longer give a shit about themselves or anyone else, mm-hmm. you know. So, well, he, but. Oh, oh good. I was just gonna say, I just bring it all, I just think it's all mental health. Like, yeah. it, and it can start at a very young age. When I took child psychology, like, literally, the mind is so powerful that, yeah. like, children who have been mistreated or abandoned, like, mentally, 
it affects them in such a powerful way that it affects them physically. And I feel like if it can be a mental thing and that affect you physically as far as like it affects your growth, it affects certain hormones and stuff in you, then what's to say like that can't trigger something in your brain that just kind of like, there's like this disease called Rad's disease and it's where children are violent towards people if people show them love. Like my professor, she used to work at a child um, mental institution and she literally bent down to come face to face with, uh, I think he was 10 years old, a 10 year old, and he attacked her. Just, she didn't say anything, she didn't do anything. She was just like, hi, I'm professor or I'm doctor, blah, blah, blah. And he just grabbed onto her and he started like ripping her face apart. Like he was scratching her and everything, but because he had Rad's disease. So anything like you trying to connect with this child or love this child only in their brain, for some reason, their brain was hardwired to attack, you know? So I feel like that just comes to show like sometimes people who like you've seen like in your other podcast you've talked about some of the serial killers or murderers or rapists things have happened to them in their childhood that has affected them mm-hmm. growing up yeah and they've the done the same side. thing yeah yeah nurture so that's why i definitely believe that everything starts in the brain mental health wise yeah so that's what i feel like these kids we don't know what happened to them in their personal lives. Maybe nothing did, but you can, even being ostracized as a child affects you very, very much, you know? Yeah. So the, the crazy thing about nurture is that, like, it could be... Or I'm sorry, not nurture, but the crazy thing about mental health is that could... Even mental health can be nature or nurture. Some people are born with the chemical imbalance. Mm-hmm. That's nature because yeah. they had no... Yeah. You know, nothing traumatic happened. They just are chemically not there. Yeah. Yeah. And then it can also be nurture, you know, traumatic events, abuse, cause their mental health to plummet or, you know, yeah. in a bad space. So, like, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I do agree. You know, mental health is such an important thing. Like, it's 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 as important as physical health and maybe even more important, you know. Because mm-hmm. if you take out the brain, then the body follows, you know. Yeah. If you, Which is kind of what I was about to mention. That uh, it definitely is kind of more important because... Um, your mental health can actually take a toll on your physical health as yeah. well. Yep. Too much stress, lots of depression, lots of anxiety can give you can lead to uh, you know different physical diseases and ailments yeah. that you know can deteriorate you over time, yeah. can get worse. Agreed, hundred um, percent. Okay, so let's get back to the case. We're actually almost done here, but so so Royce Casey. Um, Della Schmoot and Fiorella were taken into custody and charged with seven counts, um, including murder, conspiracy to commit murder, conspiracy to commit rape and kidnapping. Special enhancements for torture and rape are alleged, but officials were unable to determine whether uh, she was sexually assaulted due to the decomposition of her remains. Although we know she was because of the confessions, but they just were unable to... What's the word? The coroner was unable to... To tell, I guess, is what the point is. Um, so the three boys later pleaded no contest, confessed to the murder, and were sentenced to 25 years to life in prison for the murder. Um, Elise's father said during the murder trial, he spoke a little bit. He said, quote, um, and he's addressing Joseph Fiorella, the leader. He said, quote, Joseph, it's a parent's worst fear and lifetime pain to outlive their child. 
David Pollard, Elise's father, said at the hearing, it's even worse knowing she was murdered, tortured, and raped as a virgin sacrificed on the altar of Satan so that you can earn a ticket to hell. End quote. Um, a probation report published in the Telegram Tribune shows that Fiorella denied Casey's version of events, but admitted to being the first to stab Pollard. He's quoted with saying, I wish it never happened. Since it's happened, I always wish that God can bring her back to life. I can imagine how her family must feel. Later, he reportedly said he never thought of hurting anyone. Quote, it was a stupid mistake. End quote. So, like, uh, that's that's essentially... Fiorella said that? Fiorella Joseph? said that. The leader, yeah. Wow. Uh, this was years later, by the way. This was, like, yeah. he's already older, also in prison, obviously, but this is what he yeah. had to say. Pretty much saying, like, you wish it never happened, it was a dumb mistake, I wish you could come back, type of thing, you know? Um, but... Today, in 2021, Elise would have been, Elise Pollard would have been 41 years old. Wow. So think about that, right? That's crazy. It doesn't seem like that long ago, because this happened, the murder happened in 1995. Mm -hmm. It actually happened a month before I was born. Yeah, Yeah. July. So yeah, the murder happened in 1995, which doesn't seem like very long ago. Uh, But yeah, I guess that was a while ago. So yeah, she would have been 41 years old. It's sad, because like, for me, I... I want to hate these kids for what they did to her, obviously. But at the same time, I sort of have, like, a compassion for them. Yeah, and uh, empathy. Yeah, like, it was fucking terrible what they did to her. Like, that's disgusting. But I'm also just, like, I feel bad, like... I don't know. No, I can I can relate to that because I feel that way about pretty much every case that we mm-hmm. cover, every case I hear about is, um, especially when it was clearly a matter of mental health. It's like, yeah. imagine where these people would be if they had actually been steered in a different direction, raised differently, got the help they needed, you know. Yeah. Um, I was actually... Uh, I was actually watching, I finally got around to watching that Netflix uh, movie about Ted Bundy a couple of oh. weeks ago. Oh, is that guy from? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Who, who gives an amazing performance, by Does the way. You? Okay, yeah. I haven't seen it. Are you really having? Yeah, I haven't seen it. I thought you would have seen that already. Wow. Yeah, I, I but, was just kind of turned off by like, I, I just heard bad reviews and then on top of that, I don't really. You just hated High School Musical? Yeah, High School <laughs> Musical left scars on me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, Emotionally. But no, just when I was watching it, I was like, man, this guy was so smart and charismatic. Like, he could have been, like, a dope politician and maybe could have actually done some good mm-hmm. for people. Um, you know, and, like, a lot when we were talking about uh, toy box David, Parker, David Parker Ray, yeah, the toy box killer, uh, he could have been a, an inventor, could have made something. Chick-fil-A sauce. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we talked about <laughs> possibility of Chick-fil-A sauce. But anyway, oh um, yeah, you know. So... And so many others who could have done something with their lives uh, other than cause destruction and despair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, so many, uh, so many serial killers are, like, really bright, really intelligent. Um, I don't know if I would say... I don't know if I would say most are charismatic, because I think Ted Bundy was, like, a outlier in that respect. A lot of them are awkward and kind of like recluse. And reclusive, yeah. But Ted Bundy was different in aspect, but he was also like one of the worst ones. Like he got away with so much because he was charismatic and good looking, you know? Yeah. He was able to get away. the perfect camouflage. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what made him really deadly. But yeah, I mean, a lot of wasted potential, a lot of wasted opportunities. 
Um, but I also feel like we can learn from it, though. Like, we can learn, like, I, like from those cases, like, what has, what are some of the things that have created these serial killers or have, that has happened that allowed that to happen? Like, people who are pushed away by society, people who are mistreated when they're younger. Like, I feel like society as a whole should do better to really push mental health and especially in schools with young children you know and just encourage people to be to not be afraid that they're going to be shunned or immediately committed and thrown in an institution yeah like instead trust the be able to trust the uh the mental health care system to uh to actually help them and not hurt them yeah and reach out if you're feeling any type of way you know like I used to, or if you see someone that's by themselves, like, reach out to them. I remember in high school, I would always see kids sitting by themselves at lunch, like, just being ostracized, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, like, I don't know, I always had a compassion for them. Like, I was like, hey, do you want to come sit and eat lunch with me? Like, it was uncomfortable because I was very nervous, too. But, like, I also thought maybe they just need a friend. And I know that's hard or sometimes uncomfortable, but... Mm-hmm. If you see someone that's by themselves a lot, maybe reaching out and being friendly to them could help them, you know? Yeah. No, agreed. Yeah, agreed. I think you guys are a lot nicer about these these kids than I am. I'm, I say, fuck them kids. <laughs> not, not like, not. I'm talking specifically about these three murderers. Fuck them kids. Well, they did do terrible yeah, things. Yeah, they did. I mean, like, I'm not going to deny it. Yeah. They did some fucked up shit. I'm not I mean, trying to, like, This is one of the most blood. horrific cases I've ever listened to. Yeah, it to. is one of the worst. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like what we talked about with, uh, what's her phone? I can never say it right. Oh, oh Junko, Junko Furuta? Furuta? Junko Furuta, yeah. yeah. I always want to say Funko. Uh, Junko Furuta. <laughs> Funko Pop? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like what we talked about. Like, they're terrible, and we hate them, but <laughs> but at the same time, like, I don't want to lose my compassion even for people like that, I guess. All right, yeah. Um, I definitely agree. It is definitely one of the worst cases that I've I've read about, but, you know, I'm glad we were able to cover the case and and get it out there because believe it or not a lot of people really don't know about this case i mean i know there are some people that i've met who know about it but there are still like i think there are definitely more people out there that don't know about this case um and then like the crazy thing is like a lot of people know about jennifer's body and have seen the movie or at least heard about the movie we haven't even really talked that much about the movie we have not but that's that's for a good reason because i do plan to record an episode about specifically Jennifer's body, yeah. kind of reviewing it and connecting that to this case. Mm-hmm. That might that might even be the next episode. So, um, kind of left that out on purpose. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I see so, um, but yeah, like I'm glad we we're able to cover this case because it's an important case to cover. Her story deserves to be heard, just like Junko's was. Um, well, that's all the time that we have for today. But thank you, Jubilee, for being here as a guest host. Thank you, Michael, for being the third or wait, the second guest host, third host. I don't know. I don't even know anymore. Second guest host. Third host total. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. It just didn't sound good. No, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. I didn't have coffee like you did. <laughs> just kidding. Well, yeah. Thank you, Michael, for being here. Thank you, Jubilee, for being here, uh, for being guest host today. Um, it was a pleasure, as always. But And thank you all for tuning in to another episode of The Devil's Hour, a podcast for the strange and unusual. 
I'm your host, Darius, and I'll see you next time.